appreciate their discernment and uh, their sensitivity to the moving and operating of the Holy Spirit. There's no greater thing than the Spirit of God to move, to have his way, to have his control in and through each and every service. That is my desire. That is my prayer, that his way would be done, not mine. I, I make plans. We have plans. We have set things that we think we're going to do. Oh, but when he comes in, everything changes. Amen. It's so good to be back up here uh, tonight. It's been a couple of weeks. I appreciate your prayers uh, for my back, and I ask that you continue to pray. Uh, I'm getting there. It's been a slow process, um, but I know that uh, my healing is on its way. I believe the Lord for that. So tonight we are going to pick back up uh, where Jason left off uh, a couple weeks ago in Mark chapter 9. Uh, we're going to be picking up with verse 30. And when I gave my scriptures uh, to our media people tonight, uh, they probably have a, had a heart attack because I said uh, verses 30 through 50. Um, but you know me and we're not going to get anywhere near that covered. In reality, we're probably going to get three verses. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, the first uh, three verses, verses 30 through 32, for time's sake uh, tonight. And if we get further, then I'll pick back up and read with those. But let's begin reading with Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee. And he would not that any man should know. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. You see, a pastor once said, The gospel, the true, uncompromised gospel, frees us from our addiction to ourselves. And that is a very powerful statement. And I want to say it again. The gospel frees us from our addiction to ourselves. I also believe that it's a true statement, and I will give you scripture to back that up. Romans 7 and 24, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death. You see, the deliverance is from ourself. It's not from anything else. The, the worst sin that you can think of, all of these things, our number one enemy is self. It's self, deliverance from ourself, from thinking we can do it on our own. We've got it covered. You see, before Christ redeems us and sets us free, we are like crack addicts to ourselves. We're like alcoholics, intoxicated with ourselves. We're not as interested in serving as being served. We're not as interested in giving as we are receiving. We're not as interested in pursuing God's way as we are as getting our own way. And we're not as interested in being the least, but being the greatest. And we are certain that the way to greatness is not by obedience that leads to death. And that's exactly what we see being played out before us uh, in this text. 
And so tonight, the title of my message, which is clearly going to be in several parts, uh, but the title won't change, He Alone is the Greatest. Amen? He Alone is the Greatest. So we don't think that the way to greatness is obedience that leads to death, being last and a servant of all, having others do what we can't, and pursuing a life that involves some serious suffering. Those are the last things that man wants to hear, the last things that man wants to do. And yet, that is exactly what Jesus says as he lays before us the road to true greatness, the road to Calvary, greatness that is defined by God. There is no other way to greatness. It's the road to Calvary. That's it. And it alone. We are in the middle of Jesus' great uh, discipleship uh, discourse, and we've been there uh, starting in Mark chapter 8, and it's going to go all the way through uh, Mark chapter 10. Right now, Jesus is turning uh, the value system uh, of the world upside down. Uh, It is radical and mind-blowing through and through. No wonder verse 32 says that they did not understand. See, ours is a world where everything is about me, right? That's how our world goes. That's what it thrives on, what pleases me. But I want you to hear me tonight. Jesus died to free us from such slavery, slavery to self. He died to free us to serve and to walk a road of true greatness, the road that he himself walked as he came not to be served but to serve. And he gave his life a ransom for many. Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12. And tonight I want to encourage you to write these scriptures down, to go back and read them. Um, There's quite a few scriptures tonight that I'm going to give out. And I'm not in a hurry uh, to get through this because we need to hear this. We need to remind ourselves of this. Verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he has, was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Do you realize what Jesus has done for us tonight. He did it all for you and for me. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So who do we think we are? Right? See, we as uh, believers sometimes think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We've got to realize that when we take on the image of Christ when we ask the Lord to make us like him, to fashion and form us, to mold us into him. It's not going to look like some big, great hero that gets all the pats on the back, all the applause. 
No, it's a servant to all. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. I am last, right? So that he will always be the greatest. He will always be first. That's what we have to realize, and that goes against our grain. That goes against our very nature. That's why we have to allow the Holy Spirit to put to death that sin nature so that the divine nature can now live through us. Again, tonight, I don't want to rush through these first three verses because there's a lot here that we need to get. Verses 30 through 32. And as long as we get it, that's all that matters. So I'll just leave it at that. But the first thing I want us to get is obedience to the will of God. And we see that right here played out in verses 32, 32, uh, 30 through 32. We know that obedience is better than sacrifice, right? 1 Samuel 15, 22 tells us that. Did I give you? I did. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the rams. See, we like to say, oh, well, I've just given up so much. I've sacrificed so much for the Lord, but yet will not obey this word for anything. What does it profit? Not much at all. We are called to obey the word of Almighty God. I want uh, you to get this tonight in verse tw- uh, 31. It tells us, no, I'm sorry, verse 30, that they departed and passed through Galilee. And I want you to think back, and I know it's been a couple weeks, but I want you to think back what they departed from. They departed from an area that they came into where a boy was possessed by a demon. And we have to understand this, that when they went there, things were in bad shape. But they left that place in much better shape than when they came. And that should be the goal, uh, not of only every preacher, but of every born-again believer. That when you go into a place, when you go into a situation, it's better when you leave. How can that be? Because you take the gospel into the situation. It's not that, see, this is my thing, and the kids and Jason fuss at me all the time. Not that it's a bad thing, but it has nothing to do with the gospel, I don't guess. But when we go to a restaurant, I can't stand to see people destroy a table and leave it filthy and have trash all over the floor and all this stuff. And some people would say, well, that's what they get paid for. I'm sorry, I don't think so. As a Christian, we shouldn't leave a table that looks like a bomb went off. So I am adamant about breaking all the food into one plate, stacking the plates, all this stuff. I want to leave it in better shape than when I came. But how much more should we give the gospel? Because it's only the word of God that can change any and every situation. We've got to take the gospel. We've got the Holy Spirit in us, but what's keeping us from sharing it everywhere we go? See, that's why it was in better shape when they left. Why? Because the gospel had been lived out in front of them. Oh, that he's mighty to save, that he's able to cast out demons. All of these things he was able to do, he did it right in front of them. And guess what? We've been given all power and all authority in the name of Jesus. How fitting 
that these two songs were picked out tonight. It goes great uh, along with the message. We've got to be speaking the name of Jesus now more than ever, church. So Jesus and the Twelve moved on from north of Galilee, probably near uh, Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus again had healed uh, a demon-possessed boy that the disciples could not. And I'm going to get into it a little later, but uh, we find that the reason they could not deliver was because of unbelief, and that is the greatest problem, I think, that plagues the church today. Do you truly believe that he is who he says he is? Right? This... Uh, portion of scripture is the first leg of a spinal journey and it's only months before he will die as a sacrifice he will die for the sin of the world so he's using as much time as possible to continue to teach his disciples you see his heart and mind are set to obey the father's will he must suffer many things but get this tonight Nothing will stop him in obeying the Father and fulfilling his destiny. Nothing. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Can you honestly say that nothing will stop you from fulfilling the will of God in our own lives? Are we actively seeking his will above our own? Are we praying that prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come? And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that the cry of your heart? You see, this scripture has been a reoccurring scripture uh, since we started the study of Mark, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we've got to let that sink deep and take root into our hearts that this life that we now live, it's not for us. It's for him. It's all for him. It's all for his glory, for his praise, for his honor. Too many times, all too often, we like to, to make our plans and plan out our future and set these goals, and then we ask the Lord to bless them, right? Oh, Lord, this is a great idea. I want you to bless it. Well, if it's not from him, he's not going to bless it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. I'm not going to say there might not be some uh, prosperity in it, but ultimately it'll burn you out, frustrate you, all those things. Our heart's desire should be to do his will above our own at all costs, at all times. See, it's important to listen to the word of the Lord. As they head toward uh, south to Jerusalem, Jesus wants to keep uh, where they're going a secret. And I'm sure you can imagine because the opposition had become so fierce at this time. Any activity uh, brought about great confrontation which would take away from his time with his disciples. So what was he teaching them? Well, verse 31 uh, of chapter 9 tells us uh, what he was teaching them. He was teaching them that the Son of Man, who is Jesus, is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, 
he will rise. See, Jesus knew that this event would be so shattering that the possibility of them losing their faith was very real. Very real. See, I, I like to think about it as, uh, you know, if we wait until a crisis hits, COVID-19 or whatever, you know, the case may be, the possibility of us losing our faith and, and failing and not knowing which way to turn is much greater if we've not spent any time in the Word of God prior to that. We can't be a people that waits and only reacts in times of crisis, right? See, we've got to be a people that uh, know His Word, that have His Word hidden deep into our heart, that long before the storm comes, we know that He is able to say, Peace be still. You know, I, I truly believe that this has been a wake-up call to the church, and thank God for warnings all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The Lord is merciful. Oh, he's so merciful. He, he has so much grace. He's so long-suffering that he gives his children over and over again warnings. He sounds the alarm over and over again saying, Don't wait until it's too late. Prepare yourselves now before the storm comes. Prepare yourselves now before I return. He's so long-suffering, we can't even begin to wrap our minds around it because somebody does us wrong one time and we write them off. We're done. The saying is true. The church is the only uh, group of people that bury the wounded. I mean, we just, we write people off so fast. And we shouldn't do that. We should be as Christ. We should be long-suffering. We should be patient. But we've got to be prepared. We've got to study to show ourselves approved. We've got to know the Word of God. There's no excuse these days. There's so many Bibles in people's homes, in everybody's hands. We have more access to the Word of God and tools, uh, commentaries, anything you can think of to help you get into the Word of God and understand there's no excuse. Again, he came to free us from ourselves because we're the enemy. We're the ones who always lift other things up, hold other things higher than our relationship with the Lord. And I'm here to tell you tonight, that needs to stop. It's got to stop. It's got to change. And I pray, and you know, so many people have shared it, and uh, that we don't go back to normal. That all of these live streams, live videos that we've been seeing on Facebook over and over again, they don't stop when the doors open back up to the church. Christians don't go back into hiding. The Lord's allowed Christians to kind of come out during this time. And we need to come out even stronger and louder when we get to get back together. We can't stop. We're not going to give the enemy back the ground that the Lord gave us during this time. We've got to hold fast to that. Hold fast to all that he's given us. So again, Jesus is taking every opportunity to teach his disciples what they were about to experience, what they were about to see. Can you imagine them seeing the one that they had left it all for being beaten and crucified? You see, they still struggled with understanding the truth of what Jesus had told them time and time again. They just couldn't wrap their minds around it. They couldn't understand. They didn't get all of the warnings and get this. When these events actually started taking place, the word tells us that they all forsook him. 
and fled. They all forsook him and fled. The 12 that were with him from the very beginning. When everything started to take place, everything that he had warned them, everything that he had predicted, when that started happening, oh, they tucked and ran. Most of you have watched The Passion of the Christ. You've seen it play out before your eyes. The denial. No, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know him. I wasn't a part of that group. I'm telling you, church, the day is coming. And are you ready to stand up and say, I'm with Jesus? Yes, I'm a Christian. I mean, you think right now is, oh, we've been silenced. We've been, this is nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what's to come. We've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. See, had they known, truly known for themselves, Isaiah 53 and Daniel 9, they would have understand, uh, they would understand, and I don't have time to go in and read those whole chapters, but I encourage you to read Isaiah 53 from uh, start to finish and Daniel chapter 9. They would have understood, but they didn't know the word of God as they should have for themselves. See, that's the problem today. And I believe that's why the Lord's allowed the the doors of the church to be closed. You, personally, at home. Brother Terrence preached it uh, Sunday night. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to have your own faith. See, if they'd have known the word the way they should have known the word, they would have believed. They would have known what he was talking about when he said, I'm going to be handed over to men. I'm going to be killed, and then in three days I'm going to rise. But they did not know the word of God. That's the problem in the church today. We just go on what we've heard or what somebody's told us. But I'm here to tell you this word is personal, and it will speak to you personally. I have gone through situations in my life. You have too. You could... Stand up and testify and tell us how this has happened to you. But you can be in the midst of what seems to be the most trying, darkest time in your life. And you open up the word of God and it speaks directly to it. Why? Because this word is living. This word is personal. But if you fail to open the book and allow it to speak, it's not the preacher's fault. It's not your mom and your dad's fault. Your grandma's fault, it's your fault. We've got to know the word. Uh, It'd make a lot of sense of what's going on right now if you know the word. I've said it many, many times. Going through times like this should be, and I know it sounds crazy, and people are going to say, how can you say this? But it should be exciting for the believer. Why? Because I truly believe that the Lord is preparing his bride. He's getting his church ready. Because he's coming back. He's coming back soon and very soon. The word tells us that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, we don't have to walk around in darkness. We don't have to trip over things. We just have to allow the light of his word to shine. And this word don't work like osmosis. We can't just lay our head on it or lay it on our chest. We've got to read it. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to put forth an effort to get it in. And when we do that, it'll come out at the right time. 
at the exact time. See, the surest way to be deceived is to not know the word of God for yourself. Judas, we're told right here, Jesus specifically says that he's going to be delivered into the hands of men. And this word delivered is used of his betrayal by Jesus. And I can't pronounce uh, the Greek word, but you can look that up. Paradiotia, P-A-R-A-D-I-O-T-O-T-I-A. But that's what that word, it speaks specifically to the betrayal by Judas, right? That's what it's saying here. And even though Judas had not yet physically betrayed Jesus, betrayal had already taken place in his heart. And that's exactly where all betrayal starts, is in the heart. When we allow seeds of doubt, seeds of fear, seeds of worry, of bitterness to take root into our hearts, if we take our eyes off Jesus and his word, and allow anything else to come in, we will eventually lose our way. Betrayal always starts in the heart. And that's why the word tells us that we are to guard our heart with all diligence. What does that mean? That means everything that comes in, any offense, anytime you're hurt, you're offended, you're confused, whatever, where should you go? Facebook? <laughs> no. Even your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, no. When we have these things come into our lives, we should immediately go to the word of God. Lord, what does your word say? What does your word say about this? What does your word say about me being hurt or offended or persecuted? Count it all joy, right? And when we become that kind of Christian, that kind of believer, that that we don't allow life, we don't allow people to sway us. That's guarding your heart with all diligence. That's what that means. That doesn't mean, oh, well, I'm not going to look at that or I'm not going to walk past there. I mean, those are good things. I'm not going to watch that or I'm not going to talk to this person or that person. I think Jason said it a couple weeks ago. You could lock yourself in a room during this entire time and not have a TV or anything, not have any contact. But when you open that door, Satan's going to be there to slap you in the face. See, we can't just block out everything. It, we can't even, the Lord really impresses upon my heart. We can't even truly pray, Lord, remove these things that are bothering me because there's always going to be things that are bothering you. You know what needs to happen? Lord, change my heart. Lord, change me, change my heart, because, again, going back to the very beginning, I'm always the problem, but he's always the solution. So we can remove all of these things, all of these obstacles, all these trials. Oh, Lord, just remove them, just take it out of the way. But if we never pray that prayer, Lord, change me. Lord, creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. There's always going to be things that offend you. There's always going to be people that rub you the wrong way. There's always going to be uh, temptation just waiting to trip you up. But the cry of our heart has always got to be, Lord, change me. Change me. Ren renew mindsets. Uh, renew my mind, Lord. Don't change my attitudes. Change my thought process. See, we want him to do it all like 
oh, just take every bad thing out of the way. No. We've got to realize we're the problem. Not everybody else. It's us. There we go. So now it goes on. It's not only speaking of the Lord's betrayal, but it's also of the Father's delivering up of his Son. Here I believe um, the implied agent is God, of course. Ultimately and forever, we must never forget that God purposefully allowed his Son to die in order that we might live. That was the reason. That was the reason why Jesus came, John 3, 16. Can't get any more simple or basic than that. I loved it. Several of our children in children's ministry has uh, done John 3:16 and told what that meant, either by building Legos or drawing pictures, and it's beautiful. And sometimes these kids, I think, gosh, they get it more than the adults. They understand that God so loved us. Everyone on the face of this planet, everyone that will ever be on the face of this planet, he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why he came. He came to redeem mankind. So this was the act of the father delivering up of his son. You see, listen to the words of Jesus. The way to the crown is by way of the cross. See, salvation is ours only by his suffering on Calvary's cross. There was no other way. He and he alone was the perfect sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. See, I told you, you need to read the entire chapter, and we're almost going to do that tonight. But it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. We can never forget what he did for us. Willingly, he did this for us. It's important to understand verse 32 of chapter 9. I'm going to read it again here. It says, But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. It's been um, the chase throughout our Lord's ministry that the disciples didn't understand. This isn't the first time we're told that they didn't understand. Over and over again. I, I wanted to go back, but I kind of forgot to do it and count how many times just from the beginning of Mark that we realized or it plainly said they did not understand. But it was over and over again. But we need to be fair to them because we now know that they, what they didn't know then, it was only after the cross and the resurrection that it all kind of came together and made sense. But see, they had been with Jesus for close to three years now. They had seen him time and time again do the impossible. So rising on the third day, should have never been a question, but they understood not because of unbelief. That was their problem, unbelief. Not unbelief in his power. They had seen his power in action. Not unbelief that, that he wasn't able to do it. It was unbelief uh, regarding the direction of where he was going, where he was telling them 
that he was going. And I've said this, and I'll continue to say it. Man's way always attempts to bypass the cross, to circumvent the cross, to try to get around every uh, area in life without going to the cross. It's not possible. It's not possible. You cannot get to the Father without going to the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto me but by the Father. That's what the Word says. We have to go to the cross. Jesus had to go to the cross, and that's what they didn't like. They still thought his kingdom was to be there and right then, right then. They wanted a king. They wanted their Messiah to restore Israel. They did not understand, again, that he came to redeem all of mankind. Actually, that cry, that thought still hasn't come to pass, but I believe soon and very soon. Oh, soon and very soon, he's coming. He's coming back. Oh, he's going to set up his kingdom here. Amen? It's going to be a new Jerusalem coming down, and I am ready for that day. I know you are too. So the glorious son of man of Daniel 7 is also the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Those two coincide. You can't have one without the other. You see, his ways are not our ways, but his ways are always right. And then it goes on to say, and we're afraid to ask him, goes back to Mark 8.33. You see, Peter had just flat out refused to believe Jesus when he spoke of his dying and rising on the third day. And after that rebuke, they were afraid to ask. Uh, Matthew 8, uh, Mark 8 and 33 says, But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. What a rebuke. And we know that Jesus wasn't rebuking Peter himself. He was rebuking the spirit of Satan that was working through him. So after that event, all the rest of the disciples were a little afraid to ask Jesus, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're going to be delivered unto men? They're going to kill you and you're going to rise in three days. I want to encourage you with something. When Jesus speaks, we need to listen whether we agree with it or not, whether we agree with what we're hearing again, his ways are always right. Always. His word has got to have the final say in every area of our life, even when we don't like it. What he says we should, with the help of the Holy Spirit, understand we now have the teacher, the guide, living inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And when we know his will for our lives like Jesus, we should obey because God's will is always perfect, Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, obedience to the will of God marks the road to true greatness oh I can't be great I'm I you don't know my family history you don't know my background you don't know what I came out of well I know who I serve I know in whom I have believed and the only way you're going to be great is to be obedient to his word 
in his word alone. Terrence, Noah, whoever, if y'all want to just come up here and play something softly to close with. Um, it doesn't matter. I just want to encourage you tonight. I strongly feel in my spirit that there are those of you who during this time you have taken advantage of, uh, of the quiet time, the time at home that you've had, and the Lord has spoken to you. He has given you promises. He has uh, brought those things back up that, that maybe for whatever reason you've pushed down for way too long. You've kind of forgotten about it. Maybe he's told you some things that you don't want to hear. But I want you to realize tonight what he says, what he does is always done out of the purest love we would ever hope to know. And it's always going to be for our good and his glory. So I want you tonight to submit yourselves to the will of God. And sometimes that scares us to death because it might be a call to go in a different direction. It might be a call to lay down something that you've been holding on to really tightly. But tonight he's saying, lay it down. Give it to me. That might be a child. That might be a spouse. A wayward family member. But tonight the Lord is saying, give them to me. That's the best hand you can place somebody in. Is the hands of Jesus. The call that you've heard that the Lord has placed on your life. I want to encourage you that that call is still there. The word says that his call is without repentance. No matter what you've done, how far you've ran, how much sin you've been called up in, it's still there. All you got to do is submit yourself to the will of God. He's got great things in store for us, church. Oh, he's got great things in store for us. We've got great days ahead of us. I truly believe that. Why? Because he's coming back. He's coming back. So tonight I'm going to ask you just to bow your head, make an altar where you are, whatever you feel led to do. But we're going to pray and close out this service. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that tonight that your voice has not only gone forth, but, Lord, it's been heard. Oh, it's been heard, Lord, in the ears of your children, Lord. God, those that have tried to tone you out, Lord, uh, tune you out, God, turn a deaf ear to you, Lord. Tonight, I believe that their ears have been attentive. And, Lord, whatever it is you've placed on their heart, Whatever you're calling them to do, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit rise up within them, giving them the strength to say, Lord, I'm submitting to your will tonight, God. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Oh, Jesus, crucify this whole flesh so that I can live for you, Lord. Oh, let faith arise. Lord, let your strength come in like a mighty flood, Lord. Oh, holding those ones up, Lord, that have felt so broken and beaten down, Lord. Lord, your word says that when we are weak, you are strong. Let your strength be made 
whole in lives tonight, God. Lord, I thank you that your word is always a challenge. It's always an encouragement. And Lord, and even when it hurts, oh, I feel the love. I feel the love, God. Oh, the love of a father who chastens his children, the ones that he loves. Lord, tonight we just give ourselves to you, Lord. And we ask that you have your way, Lord, in and through our lives, God. We lay it all down at your feet. And we say, Lord, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Send me. We thank you. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you guys. Thank you for staying tuned in. I know it's gone a little over. But God is good, and I've enjoyed being in his presence tonight. I want to encourage you. Stay 